0: Welcome to the Hardwick Evangelical Church Weekly Podcast.
1: I I, I realise that sometimes we can feel anxious because we know they're going to come up with dumb questions like, who did Cain marry? And we're going to go... And we don't need to know the answers. But it might help to know that there are answers. And all these dumb questions have been addressed and been looked at carefully. And so this morning I'm going to look at who did Cain marry. And I've asked Michael to read for us because as usual I'd forgotten to ask anyone and he's got some names in that are difficult. We are reading from Genesis. Oh, Michael, come, come to stand by the microphone then.
0: Pull it up to your height.
1: No.
0: Right. <laughs> we are reading from the book of Genesis, the fourth chapter, and we are reading verses 4 to 8. And, sorry, 8 to 22. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work work the ground it will no no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me, kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain, so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain made love to his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city and he named it after his son Enoch. To Enoch was born, to Enoch was born Arad and Arad was the father of Mehugel and Mehujel was the father of Methushael, and Methushael was the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women, one named Adah, and the other Zillah. Adah gave birth to Jabal, and he was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who play string instruments and pipes. Zilla also had a son, Tubal Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubal Cain's sister was Nama.
1: Thank you so much. See, anyone else would have been completely put out by those names. Yeah. When um, people ask. Ah, but where did Cain's wife come from? They look smug. Because they know that you're going to have to say something like, well, you know, he, um, he probably married his sister. And then they'll say, and you want me to follow a book that teaches that? Or you'll say, well, you know, we don't, not everything in the Bible is literal. Uh, to which they'll say, and... So you're saying you don't know which bits are true, or you could say I don't know. <laughs> but lots of people have looked into this, and if you're interested, I can find you something to read about it. Uh, at which point, their smugness probably disappears a little bit. And, and hey, even I've written a book on the Bible and science. If so you've given my book. There are lots of things that people could read. And we don't have an answer that we can be sure about, but we don't need that. We need to have an answer that is possible and coherent. In other words, it's on the level of a science hypothesis, not yet a theory. A theory is based on testable evidence. A and hypothesis is waiting for more facts and when those facts come they might confirm that hypothesis they might disprove that hypothesis but of course anyone can come up with a wild idea and call it a hypothesis but it shouldn't contradict anything that's on well-established facts such as the theory of gravity we don't want to contradict the theory of gravity or the theory of evolution that is so firmly established Or atomic dating methods, again, got so many facts behind them. If we wanted to try and come up with something that disputed them, we'd also have the additional burden of showing why those theories are wrong. Very difficult. Of course, some people just simply reject any parts of modern science that they don't like. But that's impugning the intelligence and integrity of so many scientists, We shouldn't simply reject things because we don't like them without producing any evidence. Now we can of course regard the Bible as a source of evidence, as a source of facts that we accept. And that's what I would do. So, whatever we discover in nature has to fit a theory that agrees with what we find in the Bible. And that's what I'm aiming to do. Uh, Maybe I'll succeed. Maybe you'll find that little flaw that makes it all fall apart. But I don't mean that we have to find something that fits with a particular interpretation of the Bible. We have to find something that fits with the text of the Bible, not our favourite interpretation. Most things in the Bible aren't difficult to interpret, they're just language is plain. But there are a lot of things that can be interpreted in more than one way. Usually it's because the Bible's silent on it. it. It isn't important, as far as God is concerned, that we know everything that happened. So perhaps we might try and fill those things in. So, it, for instance, uh, you know, what are those seven days of creation? Are they a one week? Are they seven periods? Are they seven pictures? Or, my favourite, are they seven significant days in the life of the earth? as a sort of teaching aid to Moses and his friends. We're not told, so we have to investigate what fits the text and what fits the facts. And the same is true with Cain's wife. Where did she come from? We're not told, the Bible doesn't tell us. It leaves us to guess or work it out for ourselves. It isn't important as far as God is concerned. It just says Cain went to the land of Nod where his wife had children. Uh, let me read from 1617. Um, Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain made love to his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city, and he named it after his son Enoch. Okay, here's my hypothesis. And you probably won't like it, but give me a chance anyway. Give me a hearing. Uh, Kate isn't here, passes away, so, you know, I can get away with it. (laughs) She can tell me off next week, but I'm going to be in America. (laughs) Cain travelled east from Eden, well, he's thrown out, and he came to an inhabited land called Nod. He took a wife, had children, decided to build houses with his new friends, he grew to become a leader of, the, of that town that he'd built, and he was able to name it after his son. All those that weren't descended from Cain died out, so soon all the descendants that survived on this planet are descendants of Adam and Cain and their wives. hang on you say the Bible doesn't say anything about people living outside Eden that's absolutely true but the Bible doesn't tell us everything for example the Bible doesn't tell us where Cain's wife came from it certainly doesn't say he married his sister that would be explosive considering what came later So, given the silence, we have to fill in some details, and this idea is possible. You have to go with me for a bit. How are we all descended from Adam if there were other humans? The answer is easy to state, but we've got to substantiate that answer. The answer would be, all living people descended from Adam... Because all the other family lines died out. like all the Neanderthals and the Denisovans and previous hominids, they all died out. Now I don't mean that Cain married a ne- I don't mean that Cain married a Neanderthal woman, uh, though that would be fun, because I like the idea of nasty Cain marrying a lady who's far stronger than him. But the timelines can't be stretched. Uh, 35,000 BC when the Neanderthals uh, died out, that's far too early for Adam and Eve. Mind you, there are Neanderthals in our ancestry, uh, especially in mine. I had my uh, my, my genes looked at, and uh, I have rather more Neanderthal genes than most people. Yeah, Draw your own conclusions. (laughs) But the people that Cain met most likely looked like us. Well, you know, dark-skinned, but like us. So how were they different, apart from having a few Neanderthal genes? Well, Adam was special, but not in the way we normally think. The Bible says that God made Adam from dust, but the Bible also says he made everyone else from dust, including you and me. In Job... It says, you moulded me like clay, will you now turn me to dust again? In Ecclesiastes, all come from dust, all to dust return. And you find similar things repeated in Ecclesiastes 12 and Job 34 and Psalm 90 and Psalm 104. And just to make sure that we get that point, you'll hear it repeated every time you go to a funeral. Fred Hoyle, who was a declared atheist, he provided the truth of this, the proof behind this. He showed we come from stardust. You have to have a star exploding before you can get carbon being spread into the universe and then coalescing into planets to form us. Now, carpenter, a carpenter can claim that he's made this beautiful dresser from scratch, but he didn't grow the tree. He probably didn't even saw the planks. He certainly didn't make the seed. He didn't make the soil or make a planet that the soil was on or make the stardust. Only God can claim that he's made things right from the initial dust. And does a good carpenter work faster than a cheap one? Does he make that dresser in a day? Did God start making Adam from dust on the same day as he finished the job? When God makes us from dust, he doesn't take a day. He takes all the time since those stars exploded. So why do we think Adam was made differently when the Bible uses exactly the same words for making Adam from dust as making us from dust? That isn't what's special. But we think it's special. Why? Because of tradition. That's the way we've always thought about it. Or rather, we weren't thinking about it. So what does the text actually say about what made Adam special? In Genesis 2.7 we find something completely unique about Adam that's never happened to any animal, any human since. Then the Lord God formed the man from dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. As we've seen, it isn't unique that God made Adam from dust, but Because God made the whole planet, everything in it, from stardust. But when he made Adam, he did something completely new and different. God had already made other animals like Adam. Well, they looked similar. But Adam was going to be something completely different, something completely new, something that's never been in the planet before. Adam, unlike any animal, would have a spirit. A spirit like God has. A spirit like an angel has. And there wasn't anything in nature that could have conferred that spirit. God breathed that spirit into Adam. He had to directly do it. Adam was the first real person, a spiritual human, who can speak with God. All animals have souls, That word is often used of animals in the Bible. But only humans have a spirit. That word is only used of humans in the Bible. The spirit is different, partly because it helps us to understand ourselves and others. In Job it says, it is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. But the spirit in us is far more than that. It's the eternal part. It's the one that links us with God. When a baby is formed, it gains a spirit. It says in Ecclesiastes, the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child. And when we die, our spirit returns to God. In Ecclesiastes, the dust returns to the earth as it was. The spirit returns to God who gave it. And as the psalmist and Jesus said, into your hands I commit my spirit when he died. And at judgment, Proverbs says, the Lord weighs the spirit, not the body, not the soul. He weighs the spirit. That's us. God didn't breathe into anything else to give them a spirit, only into Adam. It's not described like that of anyone else. Everyone descending from Adam already had a spirit. It seems like they inherited it. And this is what makes us want to seek God. It enables us to speak to God. And we can understand God's will if we are quiet enough in his presence and if he speaks to us. And perhaps this is what makes us empathetic to other people. Because It's the spirit that separates us from animals. Animals have a soul. They have emotion. They have personality. That dog certainly has personality. But they aren't spiritual. Now, sorry about the digression into what the Bible says about our spirit. But by knowing that, we can see why the humans outside Eden were completely different from Adam and Eve and their family. I don't mean they were looking different, but they were completely different inside them because they had no spirit. They were animals. I don't mean they were animals and therefore nasty. I mean they were merely animals. They weren't real people. They could have intelligence. They could have emotion. Perhaps they could even be helpful to you. (coughs) But they had no spirit. So they wouldn't know or seek anything about God. Now whenever new tribes have been discovered, they're always religious. They might worship a stone, or they might worship multiple gods, but they are seeking God. We've never found a tribe that doesn't believe in God or spirits. We've, if we found a tribe of humans that didn't have a spirit, what would they be like? Well, they wouldn't be atheists, because they wouldn't reject God they wouldn't even think about him. They wouldn't have thought about God any more than they would have thought about Superman. If you tell them about God, they might be interested intellectually, but they wouldn't seek him because they aren't spiritual beings. They'd be entirely uninterested except just to know what you're talking about. And they certainly wouldn't worship him and they certainly wouldn't become an atheist because they're not interested in denying him They're just not interested. But we haven't met anyone like that. That's why I think all of the descendants that weren't from Adam have died out. Just like the Neanderthals, the Venezuelans, all the other pre-humans died out. Not because they weren't intelligent or that we won a war against them, As far as we can see, they just ended the same way as all other species have ended. So most species have come to an end uh, with a drought or with other change that disrupted their food and they couldn't change enough and they didn't survive. But we survived partly because we adapt to change and partly because we cooperate. When some are suffering, others step up and help and they saved the community. We don't all go off into individual families and each suffer and die. We stay together, we help each other, we have different specialties, different skills within the group, and we survive. And that's made ourselves resilient, and we survived those famines and those changes. And Cain was that kind of person. He pulled people together, and he built a town. His descendants were creative, they were ingenious, they were artists and inventors. As uh, Michael read out for us, he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal, he was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal Cain, who was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. He invented loads of things. Cain inherited that human spirit from Adam and passed it on to his children. And it's no wonder that he quickly ended up as town mayor, or whatever they called him, in the land of Nod. And as Cain had children, they had children, they all inherited this human spirit. And this gave them an edge, they were more empathic, more cooperative, and many of them sought God's help, which is always useful. So we're not surprised that those individuals survived and had more children than the others. And soon those without a human spirit died out, just like other groups that couldn't change. Okay, it's an interesting story, but why should we believe that this is what happened? Well, it makes a great deal of sense of the text of Scripture. It explains why there was a country east of Eden that had a name. Who's going to call that place Nod? Unless there are people who are living there who are giving it a name. It explains why Cain was afraid of meeting other people. When God said he had to leave, he said, I'll be a fugitive and a wanderer on earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Uh, who was he afraid of? If there was no one out there? Uh, He had just killed his only brother. Uh, Perhaps he was afraid that Adam would have another son who would then grow up and then hunt him down. But he had 20 years head start. Why on earth should he be afraid? Of course, he could just be making it up. But God took him seriously. He put a mark on him to indicate that no one should kill him. The Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. Who was God wanting to communicate with if there was no one out there? It explains why Cain built a town. He might build a farm for his family, but not a town, or as in a lot of Bibles, a city. Eventually, he might build it for his great great grandchildren, but that's much later. When he built it, he named it after his son. You don't do that if your son is already grown up and got grandchildren of his own. You, he, he builds it for you, names it after you, maybe after himself. And it explains why his sons and grandsons could specialise so quickly. When you just have a, a farm, everyone has to do everything. Everyone has to know how to plant crops, how to raise animals, build walls, design irrigation, make tools, invent agricultural equipment, and teach their children how to do that. But with enough people, when you have a town full of people or a city full of people, you can specialise. You can each have your own skills and pass them on to someone who, uh, to your apprentice. And already, those who dwelt in tents have livestock and others played the lyre and the pipe, and others were forgers of instruments, of bronze, of iron. They had enough people cooperating already for some even to be musicians. That's useless people. It's a good thing Susie's left the room. They needed a lot of people before that sort of specialization could happen. And the text implies there were already people there. And of course, it explains how Cain found his wife. He was there. He married the best-looking among the group that he found. Now, of course, you could say the Bible doesn't say any of that. It doesn't say anyone lived out there. No, the Bible is silent on it. But it does have all these details which imply that. Of course, the Bible doesn't say that Cain married his sister, and it would be uh, rather difficult if it did. And if you have that sort of interpretation of the text, that Cain married his sister and there was no one out there, you have all sorts of problems that the text gives us. We end up with incest. We end up with a country called Nod with no people in it. We end up with Cain building a town just for his family. We end up with people specializing as if they're in a huge population. And we end up with God thinking that he has to protect Cain from people who aren't there. The interpretation that Cain married his sister is possible, but it's got so many problems. And most of those problems are in the text itself. The interpretation that humans without a spirit lived outside Eden is also possible. And it fits the Bible text better. And it happens to fit with what scientists have found. The main reason we don't like it is not because of the text, but because of tradition. We've grown up with one particular interpretation. We have to be like scientists and treat the Bible as a set of facts. Our interpretations are like theories. If they don't work, we have to re-examine them. We have to rely on the facts in the text and not the theories that we've inherited. We shouldn't trust interpretations. We trust God who gave us his word. We shouldn't. God didn't give us interpretations that we grew up with. God gave us the Bible. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we don't know the mysteries, we don't know the things that you haven't told us, and we have to work around the edges in the darkness. Forgive us when we make mistakes, and forgive us when we simply believe what we've been told instead of reading your word. Help us, by your Spirit, to understand what your word says. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: For more information about Hardwick Evangelical Church please click the website link in our bio.